I'm going to go ahead and introduce our next speaker. I know he is anticipating a uh, <laughs> anticipating joining us today because I kind of might have highly enticed him to come join and be a part of the discussion. But Ron Perkins is a is currently a workforce development strategist and a native of Pittsburgh Historic Hill District. He has over 20 years of experience in retail, hospitality, and, and construction. He is a certified MBE masonry contractor, small business owner. Throughout his professional career, Ron has worked dil diligently to make the region a place for all. He has collaborated with local and state governments on workforce and economic development efforts and training to meet the community's demand among the employer, job seeker, and MWDBE businesses. And we'll talk about what those letters mean a little bit later. In the last three years though, Ron has been working as a workforce and economic development liaison. He's responsible for advising, connecting, and registering over 2,500 employers to the Workforce Systems Job Board called Job Gateway. Within that time frame, Ron has also managed to increase the region's economy by $300 million by leveraging state hiring incentives for employers. Ron's colleagues and peers, along with the Pennsylvania Department of Labor, have recognized him as one of the region's best resources. Ron, come on over, turn on your camera. We can't see you. We want you to join this conversation and I'm going to end the poll. Hey, Ron. Hello, how are you? I am good. So um, looks like it's a great day to be in Pennsylvania with this $300 million you've bought to the region. Um, I can, can I go back and like collect some of my money from when I lived in Pittsburgh? Absolutely. Hey, we're we <laughs> going to talk about that. Uh, I, I need to get that check. I need to get that check. So, Ron, how did you get started in workforce development? I would say by accident. Um, when I was working for uh, Zenith um, as a director, uh, it was I was doing a lot of the activities. But at the time, it, it, there was no, no uh no definition to economic development, workforce development, or anything else. It was just things that um, we just did as an organization by connecting people and businesses and opportunities, vendors, contractors, things like that. Until someone had mentioned it to me, these are the things that you are doing, so you should label yourself as such. And I'm saying, uh, okay, whatever, um, that works for me, right? Um, but going beyond that, um, when I got a, a call from uh, an agency within um, the state of Pennsylvania to be uh, their workforce um, economic development liaison, uh, it was, I was thrown off a bit and I really didn't know much of, about the space other than what someone had shared with me and the activities that I, I thought I knew that I didn't know. And uh, I would say, hey, let, you know, let me just take a, uh, a stab at it. Um, the worst thing they can do to me is, I guess, fire me. <laughs> so it was, it was purely by accident. It wasn't something I planned to do. It was nothing that was my trajectory. I knew nothing about it coming in. So it was a, it was a, it was a, a real learning curve. Um, 
taking what I thought was something um, that was really nothing um, compared to what uh, government looks at um, opportunities and providing opportunities in the region and in marginalized and uh, communities of color. So, I, so now I'm like, okay, explain to me then or us, because what is workforce development? Because you're like, I came out of corporate at Zenith and they're like, no, you're doing workforce development. So what what is workforce development? How do you define it? How do you describe it? I would say it's, it's different now than it was uh, a few years back. Uh, it's a space within the workforce ecosystem that encompasses a whole host of activities. Uh, it prepares individuals for uh, the workforce, and that includes helping individuals uh, overcome barriers to employment or other opportunities um, like post-secondary education, um, union trades, so forth and so on. Okay, thank you for that. So we, we now see, I always like the latest foundation of the conversation because we're going to be utilizing a, a term and a phrase that everybody may not be familiar with or a def different definition. <laughs> Western Pennsylvania, Yenzers out there have uh, different definitions for everything. So <laughs> that's, that's all I'm going to say. All right. Mm -hmm. What are goals? What are goals set for workforce development? So, and what I mean by that, when you talk about the government and the government being different than the way corporations see employment opportunities, what is the government, what's the differences and like what are those goals that the government has around workforce development? Well, industry controls um, employment and opportunities, right? So let's just start there. Um, and when you look at the entire ecosystem, and I tell people it's just not workforce and ecosystem, um, the ecosystem starts with economic development, professional development, workforce, workforce development, system development, and program development. And it's just not one entity controlling everything. It's, it's, it's actually an all hands on deck approach to it. Employers have opportunities and in some cases, government needs to help um, those individuals that have been left behind um, provide services and resources and opportunities to get to opportunities that these employers have. So they have to work together. And in, in some cases, um, the language in which the corporate or industries use and the language that the government uses sometimes doesn't meet up where it needs to be. And that's really a part of my work, making sure that those language barriers are broken and those opportunities are felt not just for the job seekers, um, but also for the corporations, because corporations have barriers to hiring people at, at times for various different reasons um, and connecting to the right audience and the other way around as well. So both ends have barriers and I try my best to mend those. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for, for breaking that down. Uh, when we previously talked, we talked about the ecosystem and I thought it was a fantastic way to really describe what's going on around employment. Cause like you said, we often think in silos of, of employment, but in the over, like you said, an ecosystem, this is what it really can look like and really does and how it functions. So now that you, you talked about the ecosystem and those parties within it. 
when it comes to to the work you do let's talk about working with employers on a on a basis and an employer has a goal what are some common goals that an employer has and how does how do you help bridge what the employer's goals are to the talent that you have in western pennsylvania well i have four pillars that i use uh, and that's when i engage um in the audience, doesn't matter if it's an employer, institution of uh, other institutions of influence. Um, and I, it's my four pillars would be one, um, active listening, listening, uh, two, observation, three, asking the right questions, and four, meeting them where they are in their conversation. I never assume that they know what I know or assume they know what they're talking about. Um, if I assume that, I would not be serving them well. Um, I can let them go down this this narrow path um, of uh, of a disservice, um, not just to their company and to their employees, but also to uh, job seekers. Um, I begin with that, and I ask, uh, I put them through like a triage session, or I would say an assessment, and I will see where they are. What are you looking to do? And some employers would say, you know, we're doing workforce development. And I said, okay, great. What do you mean by workforce development? Okay, we know we, we hire people and we train them on a job and um, we create pathways for them to become managers or leading to other interests that they may have once they're on the team. I was like, okay. Um, they're, they are hired first, right? They say, yes. I said, okay, what you wanna do, you wanna mobilize a workforce. You want qualified people already, and then once you have them or you onboard them, you provide the necessary training to help them along within the company. And then if they want to become managers, you provide, provide professional development services to them to upskill them, say, yes, well, you're not developing a workforce. You're not developing a workforce because developing a workforce is outside of your company. You're not helping anyone outside of your company get into your company. You're helping your, your, your team, your staff, your employees. So there's a difference. And then once they say, oh, wow, I didn't know. I said, that's okay, that's why I'm here. This is why I asked you these questions. So how can I help you? With recruitment, that's an activity and you have an HR for that, let's see what they practice. Let's start there. I, 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 um, I love how you broke down how organizations think they're doing workforce development when they really aren't doing workforce development. And, and really taking a step back, there's a huge gap in, in that space. And what I mean is oftentimes employers like, oh, we're gonna look for talent but what's this in-house we develop it? That's not workforce development. And then you have organizations that are truly like yours and, and others that are training people, training um, people to get these jobs with, with employers. But what is interesting is so many um, industries are talking about the shortage of talent. And <laughs> they, the companies are talking about it. They're talking about the shortage of talent. Now, I come out of construction where right now they're short 400 and four, over 440,000 people just today in this time. 
But mm-hmm. most of the companies you look at are not doing workforce development. They're like, we're just going to take them from other places, which doesn't solve anybody's problem. But then we have mm-hmm. you doing the workforce development part of it. And so my question is for organizations that see they have gaps in or talent gaps right now um, within their industries, what mm-hmm. should they be doing um, to try to close that because they can't hire it. They can't hire the 444,000 people. They don't exist um, with that skill set. So what should they be doing so that they bring that $300 million to their to their region or to the U.S. overall? What should they be doing? Because that is a huge question. And, and it's not just, just construction. I, I just know what construction is looking for. Mm-hmm. But, and we have it still intact when it comes to software developers. So what are things that organizations should be doing that they aren't really doing right now to to help with that that gap in their industries? The first thing they should do is revisit their job descriptions. Um, You would be surprised that uh, a lot of job descriptions are outdated, right? Um, The language is, is outdated, so if someone is looking for a position and they're putting the new language in the search engine and you're still using old language, um, it's not going to pull up on, in, you know, on or, in, or on or in the, the uh, job search. That's number one. The other one is the hiring practices. Are you still hiring or using the same process or processes that you have in the past? So you haven't, um, you haven't evolved in your approach to hiring. Are you still reaching in the same bucket that you have been for the last five, 10, 15, 20 years? Those buckets may have dried up. Um, the other would be, since you use construction, um, I'm assuming that you're saying union, um, uh, uh, union companies. Um, when I work with them, I let them know all the time, you really don't have a shortage. They say, yes, we do. I said, well, if you had a shortage, what are you doing to change it? Promoting what you have and then still keeping the same standard or criteria of, uh, of onboarding um, those individuals looking to get into the union with the sliding scale. I said, if it was really a crisis, you would adjust uh, that to start. And uh, they're not willing to um, adjust that. That's what they do. They're always going to take in whatever number that they're going to take in, say, for carpenters, the stonest number out there. If they're going to take in 400, they're only going to take in 400, no matter 4,000 apply. And it's still a sliding scale. So when you say you need something, like you need air, right, and you're drowning, you're going to do everything you can to get to the surface, right? But they're not doing that. And that goes across all industries when they say certain things. Like, what are you doing to breathe? Are you doing everything to breathe? Like, no. Well, guess what? You're, you're unbothered. Yes. <laughs> they're, sitting, they're comfortable complaining and not making changes. And we've seen mm-hmm. it in tech. They say, oh, we need so many software developers. So all of these software development boot camps popped up. 
but they're still requiring entry-level people to have two to three years of experience. Like, hold up, you said you were, you had a shortage of people, <laughs> but you mm -hmm. don't want to change your internal processes to hire people coming out of, out of boot camps. So you, like you said, you really don't have a shortage because if you did, you would be developing these programs internally, partnering with these external organizations to create mm -hmm. programs that easily um, brings in new, newly trained developers, and they aren't doing that. We've seen right. in, in construction <laughs> is an article, and I and I gave my feedback on LinkedIn where they finally hit a million women in construction working in construction. Construction Sweet. is centuries old, right? <laughs> finally hit a million women. That's how you knew somebody was desperate enough to change how they were hiring to get a million. I can tell you, I worked in the industry for 12 years. They changed significantly somebody or some organizations order to get that a million women finally. And y'all like, mm -hmm. well, that's a lot. It truly is not. When it it's not it's not it's not and and i would further stretch that to say construction is um you know there's a lot of different moving pieces in construction so when they say they're in construction does does that mean that they're you know the general contractors are they laborers are they vendors are they consultants um foremans i'll say break it down for me so i can see what's what yep. <laughs> right <laughs> who's taking it is it carpentry taking anymore is it sheet metal um road workers like let's see that data to see actually who who is doing phenomenal work and then applying those practices across the entire industry to increase their numbers to get that 1 million to 10 million that's how i approach things i love it i love it Let, let's let's dig into that so you're saying okay so, no no i think it's really important because as we talk to on an industry level as we're talk as you're talking to employers right you can say, hey, we, you know, I was researching how construction hit their first 1 million women, and you're having the same issues in software development. What I found was it was specifically carpentry that was able to 10x the number of women that, that increased and hit, helped hit that $1 million mark, $1 million, not dollar, $1 million uh, women in construction mark. And this is what they did. And you have that framework that was used and say, hey, we want, we utilize this frame. They utilize this framework. Let's see how we can create a similar one for what you're doing in this area. And mm -hmm. literally understanding how data plays into that. Because I think a lot of people see the article, like, and I knew, like you knew, like, oh no, there's so much going on. And really <laughs> just going through and start like, well, what questions do I have? and what companies are hiring. And so when I look at software development and I'm talking to women that have come out of boot camps, and it was like, I don't know where to get a job. I said, find out where boot campers who previously went through this program, search for them and see who hired them, number one. Number two, look at other boot camps and see what companies hired their graduates. And, and because that's really, those are really the companies and organizations that are going to, that are, that are generally invested or willing to take the risk and that's an air quotes on there. And we aren't mm -hmm. seeing a lot of that done. And this is this is what I believe mm -hmm. is why. Organizations mm -hmm. love to complain. They don't like to be held accountable. 
Yes. And so I want to talk about how are you utilizing some of that data as you're working with these organizations to help them be accountable for the goals and missions they have for workforce development? If it's, if it's strictly workforce development or getting someone hired, you know, their hiring practices, there's two different approaches. Um, in a workforce development space, that's like your boot camps um, and your other um, training programs was, you know, within the space. So let's just use tech, for example. Um, they are saying that they are training in um, these different skills, um, upskilling uh, these individuals, and um, they receive a, a national or state certification. Uh, I said, okay, that, that's, that's fantastic. That, that's great. Um, how does someone qualify to be in your program? What's, what's, what's the qualifications? What impact do you really want to have, right? They'll answer those questions. I'll say, okay, great. Um, once someone has completed the program successfully, um, who are your partnering employers? If you tell me one, I say, okay, you have one. Are they, um, are they active in, 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 in your program? They say, yes, okay, great. So I say, all right, um, how big are your classes or your cohorts? Oh, we have 20. Okay, we have 20, you have 20 participants um, in each cohort. Okay, how many do you have per year? We have three. Okay, so you have 60 people coming through your program. Okay, what's your attrition rate? Right, and what do you mean? Okay, let me say it this way. What's your graduation rate? What's that number, right? They'll say, you know, 90%. That's great. The ones that fell off, um, do you communicate with them to see why they fell out of the program? Yes, no, whatever they may say. Um, I say, okay, you're one employer and you're saying 90%. So let's just say average number out of the 60, it's just say 50, 50 um, graduates are, um, 50 of them have graduated um, or all 50 going to that one employer, going to that one employer. It's like, no, okay, how many are getting employed? Five, okay, so you have 45 people and the other 10 without employment. So why don't you have more employers? Well, we didn't, you didn't do, you didn't do the research or you didn't care because if your program is six weeks, eight weeks, two months or whatever, these attendees or students were expecting something out of it, especially the ones that completed. So you have a connectivity issue. You need more employer partners in your pipeline. You received your money, but there's no reward for those other individuals that went through your program for employment opportunities. So what can I do, Ron? Well, you can start by working with your local workforce board and doing your own outreach to tech companies in the region. Start there, sell them your curriculum and ask them if your curriculum aligns with your curriculum and if not, what's missing? And are they willing to at least interview, at least interview your graduating class? And on top of that, you need to count or follow, not count, but you need to follow up with those who, who, who dropped out of the program and found out why they dropped out. 
Perhaps you need some type of supportive services or wraparound services to support them. Maybe they lost their, their internet. What are services out there? There's organizations that do that. If you need that assistance, I can help you with that as well. So let's make this 100% opposed to your five people. I don't know what percentage that is of, of, of 60, but let's increase the overall outcome impact to 100%, 98% at bare minimal. So I'll walk them through these processes, right? And I, get, and I engage them that way to ensure that they know that there are entities out there and not just Ron that provides these services for a greater impact. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for breaking that down. Um, we are unfortunately out of time, but how can people connect with you? Because the approach that you're taking, because we have a lot of people listening and watching who are on the employer side and trying to figure out how to they fill those voids. So how can people connect with you to learn more about what you've done and what you're doing with workforce development in Western Pennsylvania? I say the easiest way would be through LinkedIn. Um, I get so many emails at work, I probably wouldn't see it. And I let my team uh, go through my emails and discern which ones I should read, which ones they should take. <laughs> but I would say LinkedIn would be the best. Uh, I, I do check that uh, religiously throughout the day, and I do make a lot of connections through there um, using that platform. So I would say LinkedIn, Ron Perkins. All right, Ron, we will drop Ron's uh, LinkedIn in the chat for y'all to connect with him. Ron, again, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been fantastic. Learning more about workforce development, where, where the gaps are, and how employers can improve connecting and really developing talent within their region. So have a great day and um, enjoy the weather out in Pittsburgh because it's about to be October, so it should be snowing soon. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everybody, that was Ron 